Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I had the pleasure of talking to author and playwright Winter Miller. She was on the show today to talk about her latest book, Not a Cat, a Memoir, about her cat Gato and all the amazing things that made him wonderful. A lot of great cat conversations, a lot of tears. I had an absolute blast recording this episode and it was wonderful and definitely needed. A little bit about Winter before we get started. Raised by activist feminist parents and schooled by Quakers, Winter Miller is surprisingly amusing. She makes and champions art to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Eartha Kitt once held her left hand for five minutes. Winter is a founding member of the OB-winning collective 13 Playwrights. She graduated from Smith College with Latin honors and holds a master's in playwriting from Columbia University. Her plays are published by Concord and Playscripts. Her autobiographical essays feature in multiple anthologies. She published a children's picture book, which she was on the show to talk about today, Not a Cat. She's worked with youth and refugee camps in northern Uganda and Palestine and with LGBTQIA plus youth in New York City making theater. Um, so uh, here in a moment, uh, I'll get you to the episode where I talk to Winter. But first, uh, today's episode is brought to you by Snuffy. Snuffy is a clothing brand about empowering you to show your weird unapologetically with bravery and confidence. 10% of profit goes to LGBTQ plus organizations led by trans people of color. Shop online now at snuffy.co. That's snuffy, S-N-U-F-F-Y dot C-O. The owner and operator of Snuffy is good friend of the podcast, Nick Silvestri, who designed the Detox podcast logos. So if you like the logos, you want to go check it out, snuffy.co. And today's episode is brought to you by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on Nostalgia Overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was was once yours, but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. Now, without any further ado, my episode with Winter Miller. My interview, not just an episode, but my interview with Winter Miller is right up after this. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time is wonderful author incredible playwright, Winter Miller. Winter, how are you doing this evening? Or I guess today, or whenever the people are listening to it. We're recording in the evening, but people could be listening to it, you know, mid-afternoon. Who knows? Or the the late night detox yes. that happens at 2.30 a.m. Um, it is evening here, um, and uh, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. I am Excited to talk about Not a Cat, a memoir. I'm very excited to talk about Gato, and I'm excited to talk about a little bit of my own my own Gato, Merlin. So we'll we'll get into all the good cat stories as well here in a moment. Um, but I like to start the episodes off uh, with a question. So here at the Detox Podcast, we are a podcast where we invite the listeners to detox. I'm using the air quotes from the world around them and get a window into how other people live their lives. And so I'd like to ask you, Winter, what are you currently detoxing from? Oh, gosh. Uh, I suppose um, white supremacy, patriarchy, and uh, 
heterosexism, the bunch of isms yeah. of detoxing. Yep, there's there's a lot of them. <laughs> I... You have a sauna where you step in and there's an actual detox of those things and you walk out and you're like, oh, okay, society's uh... great. That must feel incredible. Who knows um, how that feels like. But when someone does, uh, please let us know and we will relay your experience on the show for sure. Um, I find that I am (laughs) increasingly trying to detox from a lot of uh, emotional um, baggage that I take on. So I think in a lot of my day-to-day work and a lot of uh, conversations that I have with other folks, uh, I am often an, an ear uh, to listen, uh, a shoulder to cry on, a lot of different uh, things such as that. And I find that at times, especially a lot lately, I, I have a difficulty almost unburdening that at the end of every day. I seem to carry it with me from day to day, and that can that can stack up, and then that can be a bit of a, a bit of a weight. And so. Um, what I realized that what made it difficult uh, for me to start navigating that is actually when my cat Merlin passed away a little while ago. So um, this is how I'm segueing us into the conversation was Merlin was, um, uh, for those that don't know, we're going to talk about Not a Cat, a memoir, though incredible book by Winter that if you haven't already pre- gotten it at this point in time, you should definitely do so. Uh, and so Merlin, my cat, uh, a little bit of story about him. Ten years ago, um, I decided that I uh, I had just purchased my new house. My spouse and I, uh, she wanted to get a, a cat and or a, a pet of some kind. And I said, you know, we just moved in this house. I don't know if I can uh, de- help manage another another living creature. I'm having a difficult time with myself, so I don't know. I don't know. And then, of course, it's like, well, let's just go look, right? Let, let's just go see. And so we go in and we see this beautiful gray, blue-gray tuxedo short hair cat, um, who we got. Her name is Eureka for Eureka's Castle, if folks are familiar with that show. And so we saw her and she was adorable, super cute kitten. So we picked her up, we held her, and she was in a pen with her litter mate, uh, who became Merlin. And I turned my back to the the crate and he reached his paw through and put his claws right on my shoulder and meowed. And I was like, oh, this little guy wants me to take a look at him. So we put Eureka back. We took Merlin out. And then, and he climbs over my shoulder and reaches his paw through the bars and grabs his sister and meows at me. And I'm like, he's telling me we have to take them both. We can't separate them. So we took them both and they lived with us and they were incredible. And Merlin was my cat and Eureka was my spouse's cat. And, um, you know, that they, they had their own unique personalities. And I realized that at the end of every day, whether I realized it or not, Merlin would come and he would sit on my lap and he would sit next to me and he would purr like a motor and I would be able to unburden a lot of these things. And then when he passed, he was taking care of me. And so he actually had, um, I believe it was kidney failure. Um, And so uh, he did have a peaceful passing. Um, But up until the end, he even meowed and was like trying to take care of me and while I'm trying to take care of him at the end of the day. And I realized that when he passed, it was difficult for me to have that closure at the end of every day. And so that's what I'm currently working on. And I'd say it's getting better, but it still is not as uh, as easy as when Merlin had passed. So I want to shift now and talk about Gato and talk about what it was like for you finding Gato, what your life was like with Gato, and then how he told you his, his story that you captured in Not a Cat, a memoir. Um, I'm just thinking about um, like how you need a substitute Merlin. Right. Uh, 
and that that after Gato passed away in October, um, I was so very sad, but he had um, heart disease. He stayed alive almost three years longer than, than expected. So I knew that every day could possibly be his last. And we really, you know, lived it up. Um, but I had a stuffed animal that uh, I pulled out from storage that was at the ready. And I just was carrying it around and just calling it fake Gato um, because I just didn't want to, like I used to joke about like when he passed that I would taxidermy him um, in like some sort of cuddly pose and then get one of those little heartbeat things and ju- yeah. and a heating pad, Yeah. Um, which I know makes me sound bonkers, but it seemed like a really good solution to, um, you know, losing, losing my best friend. Yeah. Um, but I, I got, I got Gato at um, a shelter in uh, New York City in Union Square, and there were about, I think, forty cats in cages. And um, there was a rule that you couldn't touch a cat until you decided that was the one that you were going to adopt. So I stood in front of all of these cages, just waiting to find like who was I drawn to, and. Um, his name was Clayton at the time. Um, but I realized once I got him home that it's not like he'd been lost and showed up at the shelter and been like, guys, you should call me Clayton. <laughs> but that was someone had recently given him the name Clayton. Therefore right. I was not obligated to continue uh, with Clayton. And I, I gave him the name Gato because um, my uh, nephew is um, half Dominican and I thought it would be fun um, if the cat was named Gato, that because of my limited Spanish, that we might just have a bond over that. Um, but so at the at the shelter, when I stood in front of Gato slash Clayton's cage, um, I was looking for a little cat. I'd had a, a bigger cat before and I wanted a little cat because I, I travel a lot and I thought it'd be much easier. And, um, and Gato was this cinnamon bun of a cat. Um, he... <laughs> was just curled so nicely. And I was like, yes, he's, you know, somewhere between six months and a year old. This is the cat for me. And so they opened the cage and they, this cat unfurled his legs and was the longest cat I'd ever seen. I thought, oh, well that I got, I got tricked. Right. (laughs) Um, But I just fell in love with him immediately. And I, he really was, absolutely my best friend. Um, we went hiking. We, we traveled everywhere because especially in the last three years of his life, he needed medication at morning and night. And so I couldn't, I couldn't just leave him somewhere. So, um, I even started asking like when I'd have, when I'd go on, uh, residencies for writing, I would ask, you know, could I make an exception for the cat. And he was such a sweet cat. And he would, you know, he'd be on a leash or wearing a sweater that people were won over by him. Um, I mean, I would go to my dentist and they would say, are you bringing Gato? Because one time I'd had him with me and they took him out of the carrier. And I mean, it was everywhere I was going, I would be the second guest and the first guest would be Gato and deservedly. So he was a tiny furry mayor. Um, so it made sense to me to to tell uh, his story because I got so much joy 
out of him that I just, I wanted, I always wanted to share that. I always wanted people to meet Gato. Um, but they, you know, people who never got the chance to meet him can meet him through this book. Right. And, you know, that, which is a great way for a pet to live on. We should all be so lucky. Yes. Merlin's spirit is going to come back and ask you, where's Merlin's memoir? That's true. That's a hundred percent true. I mean, it's uh, ready. It, you know, you had, <laughs> I noticed you had a, um, uh, a reference about how um, Gato would be what some people would have described as quote unquote dog like, but then that Gato was really just Gato, you know, and, and was, was his own thing and his own personality, his own character, his own being. And so I was think, reflecting on that because um, I felt like Merlin had a lot of similar qualities in that he wanted to go out, he wanted to explore. We did let him out once because he was excited about the snow. He took one drop in the snow and said, absolutely not, ran back into the house, said, I'm good. I want to stay inside. You got it, dude. No worries. Um, and I and I I think it's it, it's great for children uh, to have a book that talks about the gato is just gato. You might say he's a cat, but he chews grass. He's outside. He's jumping in the water. Like you know, is he a duck? Is he a cow? Is he a dog? No, he's a gato. And my kids absolutely love the book because they're like, I am. A Sylvie, I am a Bennett, I am me, you know, I. you may say I'm a girl, you may say I'm a boy, but I am me, and I'm fully me, and you can't tell me differently. And so I want to know, having gone from being such an acclaimed playwright to writing this book, what was the shift like for you to go from one medium to the other? Um, you know, this this book did come about in sort of a funny way. I had, you know... In, in the way that you sort of say like, oh, you know, one day I'm going to build myself a boat. I've never said that aloud before and it's not true. And I'm never going to build myself a boat. But I was saying one day I want to write a kid's book about Gato. And I had said it for a while. And um, I had met this reporter friend for a drink it, and it was a new friend. It was like the the first drink, like, let's see if we're going to be friends. Sure. And I was telling her about Gato and just, you know, that I had this fantasy of writing a children's book about him. And she said, you should do that. And, um, and I think we had two drinks and I didn't have dinner and I went home and on the way home, I stopped and picked up um, a bag of Cheetos, which should tell you the mindset that I was in. <laughs> um, I got home and I just started drawing the book and, and writing it. And as I did each page, I texted it to her just because it was like, you know, a, a lark, a thing yeah. that I was doing. And, um, and that's how the book came into being. Um, the book that you see today is very, very close to that original book. Obviously, the illustrations have gotten much better because um, Danica Novgorda has done them. And I am, I do not have her talent. She's incredible. So, um, you know, the game got upped by the addition of Danica. Uh, but the, the, the actual... Um, you know, like the, the way that the Greeks say that Athena walked out of Zeus, whether it was his forehead or his thigh, I don't know. It's the, <laughs> they're Greek gods. They do what they want, but right. fully formed. Yeah. This book came out fully formed. I didn't have to, I didn't have to go digging for it. I didn't have to go. I didn't have to beg it. I didn't have to wait for the muse. It just walked out 
And so it is also a gift to me because I have had so much enjoyment making it and getting to, you know, partner with Tilbury uh, has been great. You know, just they made a couple of editorial suggestions that were fantastic. And I was able to choose my illustrator because they loved her work. And Danica, because she's a good friend of mine, was good friends with Gato. So she knew what kind of cat he was. So it was it was a very kind of familial feeling of of creativity. And it's so different from making plays where you're making the play all by yourself. And then suddenly you're in a room with a bunch of people and you're all hoping that you can get on the same page and make this thing. And you're, you're sort of turning it over to other people eventually to, to breathe the life into it. But with the book, you know, I I was a steady presence. Um, You know, do you like this book cover? Do you like this color? Do you, you know, should we add an in memoriam, you know, that, that kind of thing. So it was very participatory. um, And I, you know, I'm going to say it, it was easy. And that is rare in any creative process, um, but easy and fun and with made with a lot of joy. And I think that I think that comes through because when when my copy of the book arrived in the mail, um, I just felt like I'd never been so pleased by something because I saw the PDF of it. But when it was in my hands, I just was I, I was just stunned by how beautiful it is. Yeah. Yeah. And not that it's the first time that I've had something published, but it's the first time that I've had something really beautiful right. published. And that then that is so accessible. Yeah. You can give someone a book and they can read it in three minutes. Giving someone a play, that's much more of a commitment. So <laughs> it's a very it's a very easy sell on my part to say, you know, would you would you like I have a gift for you. Here right. it is. <laughs> yeah. I um my undergrad is in theater. Um and so uh I I did do uh, a playwriting class uh, as one of my senior capstones and you know I'm not not saying that I'm near the level of you but but trying to get and solicit feedback from folks who were even my peers in the class, I'm like, this is a 10-minute staged reading that we're working on. Can you please give me feedback? They're like, I don't know. I got like a thing. I'm like, what thing? Our things are the same. I will read your play. Can you read mine? Fine. So yes, having this book is definitely- It's a lot to ask someone to read your play and it's a lot to be asked to read someone's play. Right. Because you want to give someone- everything you've got, you know, you want to look at their play and say, here's where the structure is working. Here's where, you know, this character could be stronger or, you know, whatever it is, or it's perfect, but you know, it requires, um, it requires an emotional commitment. And so I get, you know, I, I constantly have people saying, can you read this? And I, you know, I wish that I could, my head can't hold all of those stories. Yeah. It's not just a question of time, right. but it's a question of what is the container yeah. and how can I give, because I teach playwriting. So it's how can I give my students everything that I have to give if I'm taking on too much? Sure. You know, that's what we were kind of talking about at the beginning of, of taking on too much and not being able to have the bandwidth or the capacity to give folks the attention that they need, um, the structure that they need, the support they need if we're constantly taking on 
too much. Um, I got to say, when I read this book, it made me cry because Yay! I was missing Cheers. Merlin and I was missing Gato, even having never, never having having never yeah say that having never ever met him. Um, I could feel his energy and his spirit through the book. And my kids kept wanting to read it over and over and over again. And we do still have, so Eureka is still here. And then we also adopted uh, Diamond, who is 100% my kid's cat. Um, and so she just walked up to our house one day and we brought her in. And here she, here she lives. Um, and so it's great. And so they were, you know, enjoying, enjoying Eureka and Diamond as well. Um, but yes, the book made me cry. And I think it's so powerful when we have... Uh, materials, books like this, where we can feel the spirit of someone that we've not even met before. And so I want to know what has been um, some of the early reactions that you've received from friends, families, other folks who've, who've been able to read and consume the book. I mean, it's been so overwhelmingly positive. That's what brought it into being. Because as soon as I did those original sketches, I then sent them to other friends to say, like, what do you think? Do you, does this, is this something? And, you know, and I was sending it to, um, you know, artists who I really admire. I mean, they're, they're friends, but people who, who I trust and who I look up to and saying, you know, do, do you think I have something here? Um, because I don't, you know, I don't want to waste anyone's time. Right. Um, but they, you know, the, the message I was getting back was, I love this. I love this. And it kept being that. And I thought, you know, again, it's not like I put a play out in the world and so many people are falling over themselves to, you know, read it and love it and tell me about it. Right. Um, it takes much more work. But the, the response was, of course, this is going to be a book. Right. And I think that when other people can vision the creation that you're making that also brings it into being. Um, But in terms of showing the, the, you know, the PDFs, I sent them to, um, you know, to, to authors that I admire, Um, you know, and you, you send it and you think, well, I hope, I hope they like this. Um, And I hope they know that if they don't, it's fine to just not blurb it. That's okay too. Um, But you know, the, the, the blurbs on it, they're so kind. Yeah. They're so lovely. Um, like uh, Samantha Bees is Gato is my Yoda. Who doesn't love Yoda? Right. Exactly. Also, it's so symmetrical. Yeah. Gato is my Yoda. Like right. it looks, it looks really good. She right. really did that well. Yeah. Um, but it, it reminded me. I wanted to tell you a story of letting go of Gato, mm. and that this is how special he was um it came time to to have him put down and the vet said you know do you want to spend any time with him and i i said i do and so we we had this little room um and um i'm definitely gonna cry um we had this little room and we facetimed all of his friends we we called everyone in my family and we called my best friends and his best friends so that everyone could say goodbye to him. Mm. And everyone was crying. I mean, I, you know, I love crying. It's like an, it's an honest expression of everything, yeah. but everyone was crying 
and and we like we knew that this day would come but no one knew when right um but it was just this beautiful thing of this is how we get closure this is our ritual we're going to call all the people that you love and all the people who love you and put you put your face on there and their face on there and and everyone's going to get to say goodbye yeah um and after we did that then he and I were alone in there and I put on, I put on some music and, and I just held him and we just kind of um, slow danced. Mm -hmm. And it was just like this really gentle goodbye. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I think, you know, I think loving, loving a cat so much is, um, really an extraordinary feeling yeah. because we know that they're not going to live that long. We know that we're probably going to fall in love with them. And we know that we're probably going to have to pay pay huge vet bills. Right. Like, you know, all of these things, the return is not. And yet (laughs) to, you know, to enjoy a cat, to be amused by them and to, to hold them and love them is such a, is such a wonderful thing. And it, and it is, it is heart opening, right? You know, even on my worst days when I'm closed off from everyone, I do, you know, I do want to engage with a pet who's not going to talk <laughs> and who's not going to, you know, they're not going to have feedback or need right. feedback. It's just, um, you know, two warm bodies. Right. Um, um, my, uh, I, I am crying over here. Um, my, uh, my, I, now I want to share a story. We're, we're storytelling. We're sharing stories now. So when Merlin passed, so one of the things that I do say, despite the pandemic and everything that is horrible that has occurred because of it, because we, in my role, we were forced to work from home and are still working from home. I got an extra year with Merlin focused with him that I would not have gotten. And I think, you know, you wake up, you, I'm going to work, I'm coming back, I'm doing all these things and he's there and he's there to love and he's there to do it. But he sat next to me. He had a little, it was, it wasn't until recently that I moved his, his little Ottoman square stool away from my desk um, as part of my closure. But he would sit every day per meow right next to me. And when he start, when we noticed he was losing weight and the vet was talking about, he's gotten there, you know, there's not much we can do. Just make him comfortable. Just help him. Just love on him. The last, the day that I knew I was like, he's, he's probably not going to make it the last 24 hours, but he was moving around. He had stopped eating. He was drinking a little bit, but stopped drinking water. The evening he came out into the living room. And he, he laid down, we made it, he loved crinkly, he, well, he loved crinkle bags, sure, but he loved like those canvas reusable grocery bags. He would find a black one and he would crawl into it and hide. That was his, because he was a black tuxedo cat. And so we laid it out. And so he laid on there. Eureka came over and gave him a full bath because he couldn't bathe himself. And she loved on him. And then he got up after his bath and he came into my office under my desk where he would sit on my feet and we put the canvas bag there for him and he laid there and the whole day of work, he just put his paw on my foot and just held it all day, all day, didn't move. And so when my kids came home, um, 
they said we said you know Merlin's probably not going to last. Let's say our goodbye. So we all spent the whole evening saying goodbye, and everybody went up to bed. And I said I'm not ready to go to bed. I need to like grieve and be here. And I spent some time with him, and I just talked with him, told him what he meant to me. And then there was a moment where he was relaxing, and then he stood up as and arched his back, looked me straight in the face, and meowed at me. And that was his okay now, goodbye, meow that he would tell me every night when he was ready to go to sleep. And so I said, okay. And I left the room, wasn't gone five seconds. I came back, he was gone. Wow. So he took, he absorbed it and he was ready to go to sleep like he did every night. And he told me to leave so he could go to sleep. And then he did. And, and that was, it was very hard and I grieved and I cried and I woke my spouse up and said, he's gone. And we grieved and we cried. And then, um, you know, and then we all, you know, said some words and had a bit of a memorial for him the next day. But, but I think to your point, we have the <laughs> cat come into our lives and we know they're not going to last forever. And we, we love them and we spend a lot of money on them and a lot of time and, and they leave you know, an imprint on us and we carry a piece of, of them around with us still to this day. So now that we're all done crying, especially all the listeners. I thought that you were going to say with Merlin that when you were like, and he was in the living room and he stood up, I thought you were going to be like, and he spoke and he said, guys, I want to watch 60 minutes. Right. He turns out, like just, <laughs> I was always waiting for Gato to say something, just figuring at some point he's just going to say something and <laughs> I'll know the truth. Starts talking like Salem on Sabrina. Uh, 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 uh. Yes. <laughs> That's what I kept waiting for. It didn't it didn't happen. Um <laughs> I wanna I wanna know what beyond all the wonderful amazingness of Gato that you that we definitely want children to get from the book, um, let's talk about the the ability for them, as I as I talked about with my kids, to be able to see themselves as individuals and not so much as a binary, but an actual full realized person. So what are some of the additional lessons that you would like kids to get from reading the book? And not just kids, but really anybody who picks up the book. Yeah, I mean, I hope that um, kids and parents are engaged equally with the idea of um sort of the, 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 the mindset of anything is possible. And um, this idea of whatever your child is um, interested in and exploring, that there's a celebration of that rather than some sort of shutting down that says, well, that's not for you. Or, um, you know, this is not part of our culture or this is not appropriate for your gender or whatever. I hope right. that um, people look at, this book and, and they see pages um, they see the page of Gato swimming with the ducks and he's kind of, you know, flopping around. And the truth is Gato could swim, right? right. I did take him swimming and he did what other people would call a doggy paddle. Um, but I think that's just because people don't really see cats paddling, but right. it's the same, it's the same move, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but, but to look at that and think, well, if a cat can swim with the ducks, like, what can I do? Yeah. What can I get to be? Um, and, and the goofiness of, of Gato, you know, sort of driving a taxi in San Francisco, <laughs> you know, that there is, there is a level of play around it where, you know, some of these kids are going to realize, oh, no, cats don't drive. That's silly. You know, whereas others are going to be thinking, 
that cat was driving a taxi. That's right. amazing. Maybe I'll drive a taxi. You know, like it yeah. just sort of opens up um, possibilities. And there's lots of little uh, things in the book, even on the cover. There's Gato, you know, riding a bike, Gato snorkeling. There's one of Gato eating Chinese food in the grass. So he really is doing all sorts of things that any of us as people might do. Um, and so I hope the, that, that, you know, people see what he's doing and think anything, anything's possible. Um, and, and, and I want that for my child. Yeah. You know, I want my child to feel like they can explore whatever identity they want. And the other thing is just the idea that, that identity is not fixed. Yep. No, I mean, it, it does end on you be you. And I do believe that people should, you know, be themselves, but I also believe that we shouldn't be stuck into something that an identity that we've stepped into, you know, I'm not the same person that I was at 13 or 24. I mean, I am, I haven't, I'm really just six. However, (laughs) theoretically, I am not that same person and I have changed and I want to make room for all of those changes to be there. And I hope that, you know, that that the book is also um, celebrating change and, and, you know, certainly non-binary, but also just not fixed the fluidness of being, maybe I'm a cow, maybe I'm a horse that doesn't have to, years don't have to pass between those two events. Definitely. Definitely. Well, as we're wrapping up, I want to ask you one last question before we head into the last segment of the show. And that is if somebody is starting out in their writing career and journey, my daughter is a self-proclaimed aspiring writer. So get get ready world is what I'll say. Um, What would be a piece of advice that you would like to impart on the young, new, aspiring art, uh, writer, artist, etc. Just to do it. There's the only way you can do something or learn to something. Learn. Let me start again. Uh, the only way you can do something or learn to do something is by doing it. It yeah. doesn't magically happen. Uh, you have to actually try it. And, um, and you may have a kind of style that you really like. Um, and, you know, maybe you end up really liking rhyming poetry uh, and that's your thing. Or maybe you like, you know, maybe you just like writing words and seeing the symmetry of that. Um, I once went to an art exhibit years ago and the artist, the the title of the piece was, it was something like 300 hours and the piece was totally blank but the artist had stared at that piece of paper for 300 hours so you know make the kind of art that you want to make and make it in the process that you want to have because that's the only thing that's going to be yours how it lands in the world is completely out of your control sure so all you can do is dream it up and hopefully everyone around you will say, that's cool. What else you got? Right. Keep going. I love it. Well, let's go ahead and move to the final part of the show. So this is things to check out. It is a segment where I provide something that I'm reading, watching, or listening to, and I invite my guests to share that 
for themselves as well. So I will start. Uh, what am I currently reading? Well, my reading recommendations, first of all, I got to go ahead and say, if you have not picked up Not a Cat, a memoir by Winter Miller, go ahead and do so. I don't know what you're waiting for. If our stories haven't convinced you, um, this should. Go go buy it. Links are in the show notes. Um, the other book that I'm currently reading that I'm all very much also obsessed with is called And the Category Is. It's Inside New York's Vogue House and Ballroom Community by Ricky Tucker. And it is absolutely great. So I highly recommend folks go check that out. And then what am I watching? Um, well, I'm actually uh, watching right now. Um, well, I guess I'm, I'm not so much watching it, but my kids are watching it. And we're going to be watching Arthur uh, by former guest Mark Brown. Arthur is in its last year this year. It's 25th season last year. So we're watching it. I'm crying. It's been 25 years. Um, lots of crying going on in this household. But um, so definitely that's what I'm watching. That's what you should check out. So Winter, what are you reading, watching, and or listening to? Uh, you have an unfair advantage of knowing that this question was coming. <laughs> um, I... Uh, I the the last thing that I watched that I was really moved by um was um Station 11. Oh, um, yeah. I think that it is a stunning piece of art and artistry and um it's a really and it's a wonderful storytelling tool to ha- like look at it and look and see how does narrative work? How do how do they tell this story that is fragmented and how do they keep us going from one episode to another? Also, they, they released different episodes at sometimes twice, uh, sometimes two together rather than just one at a time. And some episodes are very short and some are longer. So they just basically said, here's what we have to give to you. And here's when we're giving it to you, but it is an incredible, um, you know, it's a look at trauma and how trauma lives in people. Uh, but it's also about storytelling. You know, the, the, the people are surviving um, by being actors, by, by doing plays. I wish they did um, some new plays instead of Shakespeare, but you know, you can't have everything, but right. it's beautifully shot. The costumes in it are incredible and the leads in it are amazing. They're extraordinary. And the other thing that I really love is that it's not full of violence and it's not full of sexual violence. And it's such a relief to be able to engage in entertainment where you're not thinking what, what violation of someone am I about to see? Right. And there's a, it's, it's just a, um, it's really artistically done and thrilling. Also thrilling. Like there were times when I watched it, when I was like, how am I going to go to bed now? This is, this is terrifying or this is exciting. And also it really challenges your brain because you're trying to keep up with the story. Um, My girlfriend and I were watching it and we were trying to, you know, sort of guess who did what and, and make the links before they happened as if it was some sort of, you know, um, game we were playing and there was a prize. Um, There wasn't a prize, but, um, but it was, it's an incredible show station 11 um in terms of reading you know i tend to read pretty um academic type stuff um or or listen to it so i'm usually i'm usually trying to learn something about the human condition Mm. with 
the books that I listen to or read. Uh, occasionally I'll find a really wonderful novel and that's, that's truly thrilling. Um, the most recent thing I was listening to is a book called um, Conflict is Not Abuse by Sarah Shulman. And it's super helpful in thinking about how do we communicate with each other and how do we think about instead of um, cancel culture and individuals, how do we collectively um, look out for each other? And instead of shunning people for doing something wrong, how do we figure out how to um, how to let them know what's not okay and why while also not continuing the harm. So, uh, you know, stopping the harm and not perpetuating further harm. And it's just, it's a good, it's a really good steady read. Um, Yeah. I like it. Those are the ones I'd recommend. I like it. And that's so crucial and important too, for us to, to know about ourselves, to know about other people we're interacting with. That's, I have one more thing I, sure. I do have to plug is um, Danica Novgorodov, who is the illustrator, has a new book that's coming out about um, Alexander von Humboldt. And I haven't gotten to read it yet because it comes out February 22nd, but I'm really looking forward to reading it. It's a kid's book. Um, so I hope people go out and get that one. Perfect. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for those recommendations. So now, uh, Winter, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, I was going to say we could do something sort of Pied Piper and everyone could just kind of walk next to me and and, and we do less of a following and <laughs> sort of an, an entourage where we all <laughs> walk around. Um, I I mean, the best the best way to follow me is to check out my, the work that I make. Um, that's far more interesting than anything I'm going to say on any social media platform. Um, but, uh, you know, I am on Facebook. I'm on Instagram at Wintygram. Um, it's been taken over by tiny kitty who is, um, the next, uh, the the follow-up to Gato. Um, and tiny kitty is tiny and very funny. So, uh, they're all over the Instagram and then I'm on Twitter, uh, at it's winter Miller. The, the benefits of, of checking out, um, uh, Twitter and Instagram is that I have so few followers on both of those that, um, that I'll see you join. (laughs) It's, it's that, it's that limited. The Facebook thing you could get, you could get lost in, but, but. Um, but those are just, you know, wide open for, for guests. (laughs) I love it. Well, Winter, thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you for talking about Not A Cat. Thank you for allowing us to share cat stories and to cry. I think it was wonderful and it was needed for me. I hope the listeners got a lot out of it. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. I hope everyone cried a lot and um, and I hope you all enjoy Not a Cat. Um, it's a pleasure to make it for you. I hope you enjoy it. Perfect. Well, listeners, Thanks so much. you're welcome. Listeners, you've been detoxing with Detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. 
You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Detox Podcast, or visit DetoxPodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.